All right. Today on the Righteous Remnant podcast, we have a friend of mine named Ernley, and she is a sidewalk counselor. And um, if you don't know what that is, we'll get into it a little bit today, but it has to do with abortion. So first of all, I just want to say welcome, Ernley, to the podcast. I really do appreciate you coming on and just sharing a little bit of your experience and your wisdom and your heart. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, first of all, I just wanted to ask, um, how did you get the convictions that you have on abortion? I'm, I'm assuming that you believe abortion is wrong. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Why do you think it's wrong? How wrong is it? And how did you get these convictions? Yeah. Um, so first off, I'm, I'm Christian, if that's not <laughs> already uh, clear. Um, for me, I think um, I first kind of got the conviction in the in, through the place of prayer um, at our church. We, our pastor talks a lot about abortion. Um, he's very, yeah, he's very vocal. And, and in our prayer meetings, we pray, we actively pray against abortion, you know, and for, for all the women who have to face that uh, decision and then, you know, just pray that they would be counseled out of it, out of it. And um, so, yeah, it's always been kind of like on my heart, like I just didn't know um, what to do with it. Um, and then, you know, it's just as I go through the Bible, I just just read the Bible, I see uh, time and time again, the Lord has made it very clear through his word that he hates the shedding of the innocent blood. And, and, and it's just clear and it's so clear to me. And then, you know, when I see, you know, incidents in the Bible where the Israelites would offer their children as sacrifices to Molech, for instance, I would be like, mm -hmm. Lord, is that not America? <laughs> you know, is that not what yeah. we're doing right now? That's literally us offering our children, you know, to, on this on this altar of sexual morality, which abortion, I think, ultimately is just the fruit of sexual morality. And when I see, um, you know, I I see, I think I would encourage people to also look at um, look up abortion procedure videos because that is very helpful. You see the reality of abortion, and you you realize, wow, abortion is like literally a euphemism for, for murdering the innocent because it happens behind closed doors. Not a lot of people know what happens behind closed doors. And so you just kind of like, oh, abortion is bad, but how bad is it, right? And so for me, what what really uh, hit home for me was when I saw um, Unplanned, um, which is a documentary about Abby Johnson, a former um, Planned Parenthood director, and I just couldn't stop crying. I think I, I watched it the first time and I remember like feeling so heavy. And then I, I watched it again. I brought one of my coworkers who is really pro-choice, but we've been having this conversation for a while. So I decided to bring her just to see if she would change her mind. And I just couldn't stop crying again the second time. And I was just like, wow. oh, like it's just so heavy. And then I just, I, I didn't know what to do, but I remember seeing uh, Sean Carney and his wife in, in the documentary. Uh, they were sidewalk counseling outside the Planned Parenthood clinic. And I was like, is there something like that around me? Like, I wonder if there's something like that. And so I just started Googling and then I found the 40 Days for Life campaign that mm -hmm. was happening around the same time of the release of Unplanned. And so I just went and joined one of the campaigns and that's how I got connected um, to one of the sidewalk counselors. So that's kind of how I got the heart for it. And how bad is it? It's, I think that when you see, um, the reality of abortion, you know, and I know a lot, some people have different convictions on this, but 
just even seeing pictures of abortive fetuses or the abortion procedure, even an animated video, like you see that is just straight up murder. Like I, I don't know how else to explain it or describe it. You know, you it involves um, suctioning. Um, and I don't know if this is too graphic, but but I think people need to know. People yeah. need to see the reality of abortion, right? So, um, so yeah. So for me, I would say primarily is the word of God. Um, as 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 a Christian, I think that's the most important thing because I don't want to just be fighting just like any other. Like, I don't want to just be. Or, you know, in the world, there are a lot of social justice warriors, and that's not what I'm here for. I'm not trying to have this uh, self-righteous humanitarian effort. You know, I'm trying to follow God and mm -hmm. uphold um, what he says is true and, and mm -hmm. right and moral. And so um, for me, I think the most important thing is to be grounded in the word of God. Yeah. 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 Thanks. Um, I do want to touch on some of the arguments that people use, only because I'm sure that a lot of people who listen to this podcast um, you know, I'm sure we all hear the same arguments over and over and over again, right? Um, you know, probably the, the biggest one that I hear all the time is, you know, uh, how, why should we be telling women what to do with their own bodies? Would you mm -hmm. speak into that a little bit? I'm sure you've gotten people screaming that at you and... <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a very common one. My body, my yeah. choice. Yeah, you yes. hear it all the time. Um, yeah, so so I actually go into that. Uh, you know, there are different ways to tackle it. Um, mm -hmm. And, and uh, recently, Students for Life at Berkeley and I, we hosted a pro-life crash course. So would be more than happy to, to give um, more information on that so that people mm -hmm. can watch the recording for a more in-depth answer. But I would say, um, like, my short answer would be, I am actually vigorously pro-choice when it comes to a number of choices that women make, like their choice of career, you know, their choice of um, their healthcare provider. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm not okay with, and there are certain choices that are wrong, morally wrong, right? Like killing the innocent. And so I think it goes back to, is is this a moral decision? You know, and then it's, I think there are also different types of my body, my choice argument. So mm -hmm. underneath that um, slogan, there are two, two assumptions. The first one is my body, my choice, meaning it doesn't matter whether or not the fetus is a human being. I yeah. have, it's like the sovereign zone, right? It's a sovereign zone argument, which is I get to do whatever I want, but that's the same thing that, um, you know, back in the uh, the slavery, uh, the days of slavery, that's what that's how people would justify slavery, right? It's like this is my my property, you know, this is my right, um, and right. so I would kind of walk them through, um, you know, is is it okay for the women to take um, thalidomide, which is for example, uh, which is a a, a uh, the pill that um, can deform the fetus, and it, it helps with uh, morning sickness, and it used to be. Um, available, but it got banned because it would result in, um, you know, deformities, and and so so people would say, yeah, no, that's that's not that's not moral. But then you know, I, I could make the argument based on their logic that well, but if it's really her body, her choice, you know, why can't she take it? Right? Right. So that's uh, the sovereign zone argument, and the other argument is more the fetus is not a human being, you know, it's just a clump of cells, and that's when you go into no, it is a human being, you know, when it has um, all the biological biological components, right? Mm -hmm. and, and it's growing, it's alive. It's not just a, a clump of cells. You know, we all have been, we're all technically clumps of cells. I've, you know, like some people are like, you, that's just a clump of cells. I'm like, well, we are all clumps of cells. You want to put it like that, which is some bigger than others, you know, but right. it's, it's not like that. You know, I think 
people try to um, strip it down to like, oh, it's not, it's not a human being. But, but if you just walk them through, no, like, are, are you saying that's, um, it's not a human being because it's not sentient, or is it? There's so many other arguments, like the the whole argument about the personhood, right? And so. Um, you kind of have to figure out like where they're coming from. Like, are they are they trying to say that doesn't matter? It doesn't matter whether it's a human being. It's my choice. Or are they saying um, this is a human being, but I don't care? Yeah, really. To me, I feel like I feel like the argument. It's a bad faith argument. I don't feel like it's mm-hmm. a good faith argument because you know they know perfectly well we we are arguing that the baby is a separate person. Mm-hmm. They know what the pro-life argument is, right? So when they scream, my body, my choice, what they're really screaming is that this is not a person, okay? That it is, it is, it is classic dehumanization. It was the exact same reasoning that led to slavery. It's the exact mm-hmm. same reasoning that Hitler used to dehumanize Jews. Mm-hmm. And we're dealing with the exact same thing. And, you know... I gotta, I gotta be honest. When I first started getting into um, talking about abortion with people, you know, my focus was really on, hey, I want to be, you know, I want to lovingly warn these women, right? I want to lovingly warn these people who are fighting for abortion. You guys don't know what you're doing, um, but the more that I've done this, I'm just convinced at this point that 90% of the mm-hmm. people who are screaming at us they're they're operating in bad faith Mm -hmm. they're not trying to understand us they're not trying to you know to to hear us out they don't care if it's a person they Mm -hmm. honestly don't care most of these people okay Mm -hmm. they don't want it to be a person right right that's really what it comes down to it's very inconvenient for them if this is an actual person that Mm -hmm. has rights and so they don't want to think about that. They don't want to acknowledge even the possibility of that. And that's why we have this situation. And I, you know, I look at, you know, people like you and many others who are, you know, we're trying to defend these unborn babies. That's the heart behind this, right? Mm-hmm. But what we're dealing with here is something that is so ridiculously evil. Mm-hmm. This is so wrong and so evil. And, you know, even as I listen to you, I just, th- I just feel again, like, where is, where is the outrage? Where is the outrage over this? Mm-hmm. That we have a mass systemic dehumanization of an entire, entire class of people. And the outrage is so relatively small. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know about you. Um, I get a lot more pushback. There's a couple things that I speak out on that people get really upset with me about. The number one thing is race. Whenever I touch race, I've always got people who are really upset at me. Um, mm-hmm. But the second thing is abortion. Mm-hmm. Like People don't like it that as a pastor, I speak out on abortion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I've been in a number of conversations trying to convince people, hey, no, this is really important. But I'm just at a place now, Arnley, where I get mad. I get mad when people are rebuking me for speaking out on abortion because mm-hmm. my my feeling at this point is why aren't you speaking out on abortion? 
right? Why are you giving this a pass? And honestly, this is how I, I, I feel. I'm sorry, just as you were sharing, mm -hmm. I just feel this anger inside of me. Mm -hmm. Like, we as a church, you know, this is happening on our watch, right? We are, you know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer watching this incredible atrocity happening around us and largely we're ignoring it. And I understand, mm -hmm. you know, we want to be loving. It's not my heart to say don't be loving anymore, but I just feel like, man, there is a way that love expresses itself in outrage, right? We see God's love being expressed in outrage all throughout the scriptures. And, you know, I think the big problem is that Christians don't understand that outrage. They don't understand mm -hmm. the goodness of God when he's being outraged at horrendous evil. And that's that's because he sees the people that are suffering for it. And I think that's the difference here. When you talk about people are committing this behind closed doors and you don't see the horrific violence that's happening, you don't see the limbs being torn off and this mm -hmm. kind of stuff. You're being, you know, you're being protected from that. And but somebody is really suffering there. There's real suffering going on. And and this is happening, as you say, all the time. And it is it is so disturbing to me that as a pastor, I get I get pushback from this rather than people going, What can I do? And to be clear, mm -hmm. I do get a lot of people going, What can I do? But mm -hmm. I get a surprising amount of people that get upset with me, they get angry with me, that try and rebuke me and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just at a place now where um I'm I'm not apologizing to those people. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not trying to con I'm not trying to um, conciliate to them. I'm not trying to, you know, assuage their offense. Their offense is the problem here, right? Mm -hmm. Their offense is the problem here. And I just feel like, man, there is a time in in history where outrage is appropriate, right? I, I feel like that in the, the 19th century abolition movement, you could see real outrage. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's appropriate. And, you know, our generation, we look at the 19th century and we're like, yes, we're, we're outraged for them. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. we have all these people that are so filled with outrage for these sins committed over a hundred years ago, but they're blind to the sin that they're championing today. Right. And, um, man, it, it's just, it's, it's upsetting. It's angering. And I'm, I'm thankful that there are people like you who are out there, you know, actually trying to do something about it. So I want to ask you a question about this because, look, I've done sidewalk counseling, you know, a couple times, not mm -hmm. not much, but yeah, I've had people, you know, cuss me out, you know, flick me off. We, and when I was doing it, we did it <laughs> silent. We did it with life tape over our face with signs. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So they knew what we were out there for. We were doing it more as a prayer. Um, you know, as a prayer thing, but you know, we mm -hmm. were trying to discourage people from doing it, but yeah, we had a lot of people scream at us and flick us off and honk at us and all sorts of stuff, you know? Um, and I'm sure you've gotten all sorts of it. So I want to ask, how do you deal with the hate and the anger and all of that kind of stuff that I'm sure you must get almost every single time you go out there? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's just kind of part of our, when we don't get it, it's just like, it's weird. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. we're not doing something right. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I think it's, it's been, um, for me, I, I think in the beginning I, I was, I was, you know, like just 
I already had resolved in my heart going into it that I'm, I was going to get a lot of hate. And, and I think, you know, just, I think any Christian really should be embracing that. Right. And so I think when you just accept the fact that you're just going to be hated, like Jesus said that, you know, if you follow Jesus, you will be hated, right? Because they hated Jesus first. And so um, ultimately they're not just really hating on us. They're really hating on Jesus. And so for me, I think I just take joy in um, whenever we get cussed at is like more rewards, Lord, more rewards. And so our team, we, we have this, it's just, um, so there, I'll tell you a quick story. Like there was this one um, biker guy who would circle the block and make it a point every single time we were out there to cuss out, cuss us out or like, you know, yell at us. And then one time he said, Jesus told me that you guys should go home. And then we just started laughing because we were like, wow, that was like one of the nicest things I'm like, you know, a poor choice person ever said sure. to us, you yeah. know, and, or like this lady who would walk by and call me disgusting every single time she, she sees me. And I just, I just smile and then like, and we just laugh about it because like, oh, here comes the lady again, you know, and we just like, bless you, you know? And so you, you learn to bless those who curse you. You learn how to um, count it blessed, you know, when you're persecuted for righteousness sake. And I think, um, we get too little of that. Honestly, this is nothing in, in comparison to what so many of my brothers and sisters are facing um, other in other parts of the world, you know, for um, being a Christian, being Christian. And so for me, this is just a glimpse. And I think it keeps me going. And, and I think it, it's a fresh reminder that, that my home is not in this world. And I think every Christian should be experiencing some form of, you know, like it, we should be challenged, you know, on a yeah. regular basis and reminded that, oh, yeah, yeah, we're different. We're supposed to be set apart from the world. And so for me, as a, someone who's working full time, you know, it's very easy to just kind of, oh, let's just, you know, let's fall into dissipation. And no, I think that this is great for me, for my soul. Honestly, I feel like this is the grace of God to me personally, too, to to face something like that so that I would be reminded on a constant basis that Jesus, you are my Lord, that this is this is why I live, you know, and I, I do what I do because I follow Jesus and I love God. And I think yeah. um, you experience the grace of God when you're out there and then it doesn't face you as much as you continue to do it and faithfully just um, do it with the Lord. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think the key is just abiding in God and trusting in God, knowing that he knows, he knows that, that, um, that is difficult. Um, and, and yeah, the presence of God is sweet every time that we feel like we're just, you know, being hated on, but, but we're with Jesus. And so for me, that's, to me, that's a blessing to me. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't see it as like, oh man, there's another, I need to go out and be cussed out. You know, people are going to cuss out, cuss me out. And but I go out knowing that this is an opportunity for me to grow closer to the Lord. And so for me, it's an act of worship as well. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Yeah. Let me ask, have you, do you feel like you've gotten better at handling it? Like, would you like, did you have thick skin going into it where it's just like, oh, yeah, people are cussing at me, no problem, never bothered me? Or <laughs> is it something that you feel like you've gotten better at dealing with? I think it, it did take me some time. Um, I've been doing it for about two years now. So I think in the beginning, uh, the first year, I think it was it took a lot of adjusting. So um, one time someone was getting really violent, um, almost to the point of getting physical with us. And so thankfully there were some um, – so, uh, male sidewalk counselors out there um some of our friends who were out there to protect us so we were we were okay but um it was you know it did shake me up a little bit i remember feeling whoa like just got like real you know but um i think it it 
it, I think for me, it, it has been a lot easier because I just accepted it at one point. I just accepted it that this is going to be part of, of what I do. And, and so now I, it doesn't phase me as much anymore when people cuss me out. I just, okay, cool. Um, or people reject me or they, they're like, no, I don't want it. Or they, they're like, you know, use all, all, all types of ad hominem attacks, you know, like call yeah. you names and stuff, but um, you just accept it. And I think it, it has gotten easier over time. Yeah. Do you guys um, carry like pepper spray or anything? How real is the threat of physical danger? And do you, are, are you guys prepared for that? Um, we, well, that's a good question. We haven't, haven't, you know, had any, uh, thing that was, that would, that warranted a physical, you know, altercation, but, um, we, ha we make sure that we have some men outside, uh, out on the sidewalk with us. Um, mm -hmm. so they, they're at least, you know, there to protect the women on the sidewalk. Um, I'm sure they're equipped in some ways. Um, but, um, yeah, we, I, I carry around a pepper spray just in case, but, um, yeah, I think also for us, we we are there to witness, right? Um, and then so we're trying to just be establish more of like a peaceful presence. For sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Um, yeah, I want to ask about uh, like number one. Do you feel like what you guys do is effective? And mm. two, why? Why is it effective? Um, if you have, if if you could guess. Yeah. Um, well, one thing I can say is that um, stats, well, one of the studies um, shows that 60% of women um, who go into this, uh, into the, uh, who go into Planned Parenthood have either not received any counseling or just um, have never heard of any other alternative resources. Right? And then also, I think it was something like 64% of women um, are usually coerced into doing it. So when we approach someone we want to make sure that um that they're safe you know they're not being coerced into doing it we want to provide them with, with resources and counseling and we promise to walk them through everything um and i think right. it is effective because um, usually the woman comes in with um, her partner or because if they are getting an abortion they they will need to be picked up after um so we we make sure that we have some some guys with us and then you know we I would ask my my friend, who's who's a guy, to to go up and talk to her partner and try to persuade him from, or you know, try to convince him um, into keeping the baby, and then hopefully he would just go in and take the, the her his partner out. And so that has happened in the past, and so we we think that is very effective to have both men and women on the sidewalk, you know, to approach both. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, so I think that. You know, when you hear wow. the stat, sixty percent, yeah, know, I didn't have I not didn't been informed. Yeah, I didn't know that sixty percent are coerced. That is insane. Yeah, meaning we're talking about their boyfriends or husbands or family members. I'm assuming, right? right. So a lot of pressure, and a lot of women that I've talked to also. Um, well, I mean, there are some who are you know just straight up just celebrate their abortion, and you know they they are just like no, like you know. I, but some some women um, are very very. They're just like oh, my husband doesn't doesn't want to keep the baby you know and yeah. so i i we actually encourage men our, our men to talk to the men and be like you need to, to encourage them to take charge you know and say that i want to keep the baby and so i i would encourage whoever you know if someone's listening and you know, um if you know someone who is considering an abortion you know and you should you should encourage them and you should be 
you should show clear support. You should be like, hey, I'm I'm willing to keep the baby, you know, and that goes a long way. So I think all sometimes what a woman really needs to hear is that that she will be supported. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of times they're worried, um, you know, if I don't if I have the baby and I can't I don't feel like I can take care of it properly. Right. I don't feel like I can care for the baby properly. They're worried about what will happen to the baby. What do you mm-hmm. say to women in those types of circumstances? Yeah, um, yeah, we've had some incidents like that. And in the moment, she, because she's just so overwhelmed, um, I think what we try to do is just to kind of calm her down. And um, we, we have a lot of counseling resources. So we try to, one thing we want to do is to get her out of the clinic. I think that's our primary goal, first and foremost, because when she when she's, you know, just outside the, the or in the vicinity, or she's just kind of like standing in front of the clinic, she's going to be tempted to go back in, you know, where sometimes she comes out to Oh, like you know, take take a walk and to kind of think about it a little bit more. We try to just take her away from the clinic because they're going to 100% um, you know, encourage her to get an abortion or okay. counsel her into getting an abortion. So we try to just get her an appointment with a crisis pregnancy center um, so she can get more counseling resources to assess her situation, um, provide housing. There's an organization called Let Them Live who um, they provide financial resources. They, they just pay for all the like any whatever they ha- uh, need you know pretty much and so a lot of women have decided to keep their babies that way when they read when they see that wow i can actually um get support financial support even um so we try to make sure they know that we actually will walk you through we're not just gonna you know counsel you out of abortion one time and then leave you you know we're gonna walk with you and then we follow up with them we make sure that they they feel supported right yeah. Yeah, I know that um, a lot are afraid, you know, that there's no one available to adopt these babies. When I looked into it a little bit, what I had found was that there are more people wanting to adopt than babies available to adopt in America. Do you know anything about that? Um, I think that adoption is just a very expensive process, but we do have some, um, a lot of, there are a lot of pro-life resources out there that provide um, legal support um, and they you know help families adopt kids and so yeah definitely there are resources and if people are if people want to adopt i think that um yeah a lot of pro-life organizations will help you and even financially help you to c- cover the cost for adoption as well yeah. yeah i want to ask you um you know i think a lot of a lot of people are concerned about this issue of shaming people right I mean, I feel like I can tell just talking with you that it doesn't seem like you are really trying necessarily to shame these mothers. It seems like you're mm-hmm. trying to uh, show yourself as an ally to them, right? That mm-hmm. that we want we want to help you in whatever way that we can. I do want mm-hmm. to ask though about this because I think very naturally um, that is part of this deal. I'm sure just when people pull up to the clinic and they see you or anybody out there, they're naturally mm-hmm. going to feel some aspect of shame. And I'm sure that's why people are so upset at you guys, right? That you're shaming, mm-hmm. you're shaming them, stuff like that. I'm actually, you know, coming from a different place. I actually feel like we should shame people, you know, like I feel like shame is actually very important. And what I'm getting at here is that shame is the emotion that forces us to consider the wrong that we're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. Shame is the thing that brings us, you know, face to face with our sin, so to speak. Right. Where we can't ignore it. We have to face it. We have to mm-hmm. deal with it. And because of that, it does. It leads to repentance, meaning if I'm doing something wrong, I want to feel shame about it. 
right? I think one mm -hmm. of the, the most tragic things is if you're doing something that's really evil, but you feel no shame about it, right? That's when your heart gets really hardened. And um, and so I, I simply say this because in the church today, there is this sentiment that all shame is evil, right? Mm -hmm. That you, you have to get rid of shame, that God doesn't want you to feel shame. And, um, you know, I think that's a real misunderstanding, meaning I understand that there's a lot of people that struggle with shame when they shouldn't feel shame, right? Like, and, and I agree. I, I, I don't think as believers we should feel shame in coming to God, right? Like all of us struggle with sin. We all have areas of weakness and immaturity. Mm -hmm. And so we all have to have boldness and confidence to come to his mm -hmm. throne of grace for mercy, right? And I, I get that. That that's where I think a lot of Christians, because they're so focused on that battle, they're like, oh, yeah, get rid of shame, get rid of all shame. But my my rebuttal to that is, no, there are many times when shame is appropriate, right? Shame is appropriate. And in fact, it's the job of Christians to help people feel shame, right? As a pastor, when I'm preaching, um, you know, there's several times, there are many times where I'm I'm trying to, to preach in such a way that would make people feel ashamed of their sins so that they would repent, right? I don't want you to stay in a place of shame. I want you to be able to repent and get free, right? Because repentance is the biblical way, right? It is the way to freedom. We cannot have freedom while we're living in sin. That's my understanding of the Bible and what the Bible is really all about, right? That it's leading us constantly to repentance. And especially when we're talking about this issue, my understanding is, look, we want to bring people to repentance. And I think that there's an important aspect of shame here. And so, you know, I, I, I know this because there's a lot of Christians who are like, look, I don't, I don't want people to feel ashamed by me. I want them to feel loved by me. And I, I understand that. But I don't think that's necessarily right. I think mm -hmm. people should feel ashamed, right? If we're not, if we're doing our job right as believers, then I think we are bringing people to godly sorrow. We are confronting them, you know, when necessary. And if, look, if abortion isn't that case, when exactly is that case, right? If we're talking mm -hmm. literally about people murdering babies, but they don't realize or they don't understand or people are trying to tell them, no, you're doing something good. This is the appropriate place to bring shame in. I, I just feel like if it's if it's not appropriate here, it's not appropriate anywhere. And I understand a lot of people, that's exactly where they're at. But mm -hmm. I, I just want to ask you to comment on that a little bit. It's okay if we disagree a little bit here. I just want to hear mm -hmm. your heart on that because I'm sure you've had to wrestle with that to some degree. Yeah, totally. I think that um, when it comes to being on the sidewalk, um, because we're like the last line of defense, um, we, I think there's a healthy level of, of there, there's been cases where we've seen people would you know, pull up and then they see us and they would leave, you know? And so I'm sure that there's been cases where, you know, they feel like, oh, like, I don't want to walk through that crowd. You know, I don't want to walk, um, you know, through the sidewalk to get to the entrance and then have to go through this. And so, yes, I think that it is, um, you know, it is harder. And I think that people should, should have, we pray that people would 
be um, conscience stricken, right? We pray yeah. that they would be convicted, that the Lord would come with, with his conviction. And I think that there's been cases and we've heard many testimonies like that, where people would see um, a group of sidewalk counselors and then, you know, without a word, without anyone saying a word to them, they just like, wow, this is a confirmation to me that I, I shouldn't do this. Yeah. And so people, you know, and then some people see it more like, um, yeah, so I, I think, yes, I think there's a lot of, um, people who have different opinions on that but for us um we what so we try to generally stay away from we we used to hold signs and we used to you know like kind of stand outside the clinic and then there were a bunch of us but i think what we've found to be more effective or conducive to having more um conversations with the women because that's the goal right the goal is i think that it's the last line of defense once again so i think it's very different how i address people who are just straight up just pro-choice you know they're not going to the clinic they're just passers-by right. they're just trying to like you know strike up conversation or they're trying to uh, you know just be uh, disrupt the sidewalk basically right. um we address those people very differently from um people who are going in you know for abortion they're just abortion minded they're going in they're not hearing anything else all they thinking is just oh, how am i gonna do this and then so we we want you know, ultimately, we, we want them to not do it, right? So we, we want them to not go in. And so we want to have that conversation, we, right. we need to have that conversation with the women. And so um, in the past, we used to hold signs and people women was just like, pretty much just, you know, try to walk straight into the clinic or not try to talk to us. But um, so we kind of we stopped holding signs. And we we have our flyers kind of tucked away, and we would approach the women and we would introduce ourselves. And then we would ask them what they're going in for. And then they, and then from that point, we would try to have a conversation We like, Oh, if you're going in for abortion, please don't do it. This, these are the alternative resources. We can help you, you know, but so that they can hear from us, you know, yeah. that that hey, we're trying to we're trying to get you out of this. You know, you don't have to do this. Don't do this. This is not, um, yeah. So, so I think there's a healthy level of shame, and I, I think what you said is is really good. I do agree that um, we, yeah, we should be ashamed of of sin, right? We should, um, yeah, we should be, we should be we should be very clear about that, right? So a lot of people stay away from saying abortion or that abortion is wrong. No, I think that on the sidewalk, we, we have, we can say that and we should say that, you know, and I think um, it just depends on the situation, you know, where the women's yeah. coming from. Um, some people need a little bit of that, you know, some people are yeah. too, they give too much uh, grace to themselves in the sense of like, they like, no, this is right. They're trying to justify in their heads, right? Yeah. And so in that place, you know, you need to speak truth. Yeah. And then that place you say, no, abortion is wrong. Abortion is, is murder. Yeah. And then for people who are, you can see they're, they're struggling. They're, they're kind of wrestling. They're like, I know it's wrong. Um, I, I don't know how to do this. You know? And so in that place, maybe what they need is not so much. Oh yeah. You're just, you're, you're, yes, you're, you're, you're a murderer. You know, you, they, they don't need to right. hear that in that moment. They, what they need to hear is there's a way out. There's hope. There's way out. Not this abortion right. is not the way out. And then so we, we need to kind of assess and I think the Holy Spirit can can lead us in, yeah. into figuring out what is the best way. Yeah, that's great. I agree with you 100%. I think the way, you know, I teach students is, you know, uh, the way that God responds to people depends on the state of their heart, right? Like, to the self-righteous and the rebellious, God is very harsh, right? Mm -hmm. I think you see that throughout Scripture, right? To the, to the self-righteous and the rebellious, God's very harsh, but to the humble-hearted, um, and to the to the lowly, he's very tender and kind, right? Even mm -hmm. when they're even when they're caught in sin, right? You see, you see God being very kind because their hearts are open to receiving correction, 
right? If somebody's heart's open to receiving correction, then you don't need to, you know, attack them. You can invite them into it, right? And and that's what I hear you describing there with a lot mm-hmm. of these mothers. Their hearts are open. They're scared. Mm-hmm. If 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 they could receive comfort and wise counsel, then they're open to having their their mm-hmm. minds changed on this. And so I, I that sounds like total wisdom to me. What you guys are what you're um, describing there. Um, yeah, as you describe it, it sounds it sounds like evangelizing. It sounds you know, it's, <laughs> it sounds like you know you're trying to initiate these conversations with people. I'm guessing the vast majority of people that you approach don't want to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, what would you yeah. put at like the percentage? What percentage of people are willing to have a conversation with you? Hmm. Um, that's a good question. Um, let's say maybe. 60 40 60 being um people who are at least willing to receive our flyers 40 being no i don't i don't want to hear this don't don't talk to me um yeah i think it really varies okay yeah no that's not that's not bad at all okay Mm -hmm. so uh, i want to ask you um just practically i know that there are many believers that have a heart for abortion um there, you know, I know many people that are praying for it regularly, um, and I mm-hmm. thank God for all those people that are praying and they're voting um, on this issue. What I wanted to ask, though, is for many people, they feel um, a burden like, what else? Is there anything else I can do? Is there anything practical that mm-hmm. I could do? So I want to ask, what advice would you give to somebody in that position? Right. Uh, other than sidewalk counseling, you mean? It could be well. It could be how to get started in sidewalk counseling, but let's let's go through gamut. Is there anything else? And then let's talk about how to get into sidewalk counseling if you'd like to. Sounds good. Yeah. So if you if you're a student, uh, I'll kind of put into different categories. If you're a student, um, I would say try to join or start your own pro life group on campus. Um, students um, for life at Berkeley. We have some students who would go out on campus and try to talk to people and you know change their position. Um, you know, or convince them to become pro-life basically. Mm -hmm. And then what one method that they have been using is showing people the abortion procedure videos as simple as that. You don't even have to try to get into like all these arguments, you know, because they're going to just have all their walls up and then you just have to show them the reality of abortion. And so we just have all these students, um, you know, go out on campus and just, hey, can I have, you know, like a minute of your time, you can see this video and see if you would change your mind, you know, and people have changed their minds like that. And so um, I would encourage um, if you're a student to st- join or start a pro-life group, you can look up Students for Life. Um, it's a, a national organization and they will help you start your campus group. Um, and if you're not a student or yes, both student or working a full-time working professional, um, I would say just make sure that you're um, equipped Right. Because a lot of times I think what happens is um, pro-life Christians or pro-life people in general are not equipped. Right. When they hear my body, my choice or like, what about in the case of rape? Like they get swayed or they freeze up and they, right. they don't know what to t- what to say. And so I would recommend um, just looking up all these pro-life arguments. It's very simple, actually. And it's these these pro-choice arguments are very flimsy, very easily refute. Like you can refute them pretty easily. Um, so all you need to do is just look up some pro-life arguments. You can um, take Equip for Life course. You can go to Equal Rights Institute, or you can also check out our um, recent pro-life crash course where I went over different arguments. 
and yeah, just be familiar with like, yeah, why, why am I pro-life? You know, not just, oh, I, I'm pro-life because my family is pro-life. Like you want to know why you're pro-life and the pro-life position is actually very logical and scientific as well, right? So you should know just those arguments so that you can talk to other people and educate other people and hopefully speak up and, and, and uh, yeah, hopefully we can change this, this culture of death into a culture of life. Right. Um, and I think what you can do also is just start a prayer group, you know, within your church, your local church, just get together, start praying for, for God's heart on this issue. I think it's, it's not something that, you know, you can just uh, like, you know, just like, I think most of the time we, we get the heart of God through the place of prayer in the place of prayer. And so I would recommend just, yeah, encourage your church to, to have, prayer meetings, you know, or to pray on this topic together and, and galvanize your church to, to even start, um, like to talk about it more, you know, yeah. you, you, if you're a church leader to start talking about it or even host a, a screening of unplanned to, you know, so that it could spark conversations around the topic of abortion. Cause a lot of people don't even know where they're at and, and because they've never thought through it like, you know, extensively. And so I feel like what you really need to do is to just have 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 that spark conversations within your church um you can volunteer at a local crisis pregnancy center you need a lot of help you can financially support a lot of pro-life uh, causes um you can adopt if you're able to um and yeah so I, I would say there are a ton of ways and if you're not comfortable sidewalk counseling um you can just start off by going out to a planned parenthood clinic and, and just stand outside and pray peacefully um, and just kind of feel it out and see if you would like to, you know, start sidewalk counseling there. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about that. I think, um, look, I know for most people, the, the, the fact that you're going to get at least verbally attacked is, mm. is pretty difficult for a lot of people. So right. how would you, let, let's walk somebody through this. Hey, I am interested in potentially doing this, but I'm just being honest. It's pretty scary for me. Mm -hmm. How would you recommend that person? How can I start? Yeah. Um, if you are not, I guess, if you don't have a group of people to go out with you, uh, it can be pretty intimidating. So I would say maybe join the 40 Days for Life campaign when there. Um, so there's a period where for 40 days, I think it's it, it just ended where uh, people would go outside the uh, a Planned Parenthood clinic or an abortion clinic and then they would just pray. Right. So there would be a pro-life presence out there so you can just join them you know and, and so at least you're not alone so i think that's that's a key to to feeling more like i think when, whenever we have a, um you know our group go out together and then there are days when we feel like oh wow we we feel united you know we feel like we're on the, on the same team with the same mission it's just a little easier to take for sure the, whatever level of persecution comes your way because you feel like you have your people or you know, your family you know the family of god backing you up and even have people pray for you when you go out and, and so i think it's it's helpful to just know that there's someone else out there with you yeah absolutely is there some kind of i don't know national organization directory or resource where you can find other people that have a similar heart in your region i know that what the way this works is a lot of times it's just like churches are mm -hmm. like mobilizing their communities to do this in more church-based groups um, but do you know of any other organizations that are mobilizing these types of efforts? Yeah. So 40 Days for Life is um, a national organization started by Sean Carney, who was also uh, featured in Unplanned. Um, I, I believe it's uh, a Catholic 
organization. Um, that's why you know, I want to encourage more Christians to go out because we know we need a yeah. <laughs> we need more Christian presence. And so yeah. um, I think that there are, um, yeah, that's one thing that I've been kind of looking for as well. I am not um, aware of any, I guess, directory where you can kind of look up like if, are there any other sidewalk counseling groups it's just kind of like you're connected through like just word of mouth like I, yeah. um but i think 40 days uh, for life would be a good place to start it is a national organization and mm -hmm. they usually have local uh directors and so you can try to reach out to them and ask them hey do you know anyone in this area who's doing sidewalk counseling and you can just join them yeah absolutely and um, I also want to ask, I know there are even high school students that have a heart for this thing. Do you know of any mm -hmm. groups that are doing stuff on high schools to try and encourage students, you know, to raise awareness or to get understanding even at that young of an age? Yeah, um, I think there was a group I recently met or a couple months back. I met a group of students who I believe they were high school students. Um, they They were part of an organization called Survivor, survivors of the abortion holocaust if i need to double check on that but i mm -hmm. think there's a group in in socal that um helps kind of like enc encourage young people or like high schoolers to, yeah. to come out and then they they train them and, and do all the training and stuff so i think that that probably would be a good place to start i believe students for life might have something for um high school campuses as well oh no kidding yeah. okay yeah and i just want to say as a church leader I just want to encourage those of you who are church leaders, um, try and get your churches involved in abortion stuff. Like, I, I just have this conviction, Ernly, that, um, man, if we're, if we're not active as a community, you know, if my church isn't active, if my fellowship isn't active in this area, what exactly are we going to be active in, you know? Like, when is it more important than dealing with this type of an issue? And, you know, I think as you pointed out, I, look, I think the pro-choice arguments are terrible. I think, <laughs> I don't think they're, I think they're, they're so logically full of holes that, mm -hmm. you know, you, you really, you have to not be examining them too clearly. You know, you have to not want the baby to be a baby. That's that's how bad they seem to me. And I don't want to you know I don't want to say that in arrogance, but I've talked to a lot of people about this issue. The issue is very simple. Okay? It's so simple. It's look, if it's a if it's a person, you can't kill it. If it's a person, half, you know, of the pro-choice arguments get thrown out the window. They're irrelevant, right? Um mm -hmm. and then we're and then we're having a debate over when personhood starts. Mhm. Mm right? And there is no clear place from a secular humanistic perspective, right? Where exactly are you drawing that line? Ben Shapiro makes this argument very well, right? Like, look, if you say that you're not a person, if you don't have a heartbeat, well, what do you do with, you know, adults who need pacemakers? Like, their hearts aren't functioning properly. Are they no longer, do they lose their personhood, right? Every, every barrier or criteria that you're going to set up for a fetus for personhood can apply to an adult, Right, so there mm -hmm. is actually no logical place to put it except at conception. And I always challenge people with this. You know, 10% of abortions, we have, what, roughly 700,000 abortions or so every single year at this point. You know, the number keeps going down, thank God. Um, I, I don't know exactly what it is right now, but it's around there, around that number. 10% mm -hmm. um, of them are happening in the third trimester, right? Mm -hmm. Like, 
that's a lot. That's mm -hmm. 70,000 a year. That is a ton. We, you know, if I remember correctly, there's about 10,000 gun murders a year. Okay. So that stat is, can be tricky because they use gun deaths all the time, but gun deaths, the vast majority of gun deaths are from suicide. So if we're talking about gun murders every year, it's somewhere in the 10,000 a year range. So what we're talking about is seven times roughly the number of third trimester babies that are killed. Now, forgive me. I, you know, I have so many statistics in my head that I sometimes forget. It might be second and third trimester. It might be 10%. I can't remember. But regardless, you know, yes, the vast majority of abortions happen in the first trimester. But look, by third trimester, you have to be blind. Okay? You have to be, you have to be purposefully wanting this not to be a baby to not recognize the personhood of a third trimester baby at this point. And there are lots of these happening. So mm -hmm. my point here is that even if you're going to be full-blown pro-choice pro and you're going to say, hey, yes, it's not a baby, it's not a person until the heartbeat, until it feels pain, until set up all the criteria you want, well, you still have to recognize that third trimester babies are being slaughtered tens of thousands of them every single year, far more than are being murdered by guns. And shouldn't you be concerned or speaking out about those? And the answer is, of course not, right? Of course not. People who are ardently pro-choice, they don't care about third trimester babies. They're, they don't care about personhood. Mm -hmm. They're actively trying to dehumanize these babies. So I say all of that because look, church, if we're not fighting for this, what exactly are we fighting for? You know, like, what what kind of an atrocity do we need to actually raise our voice and do something about all of this stuff? Mm -hmm. Because I know the trend today is we as Christians, we don't want our churches or fellowships to do anything that can offend people. But I just got to say, this is an area where I feel like every church needs to take a stand where every leader needs to take a stand. And I just say this, if you're compromising in this area, meaning you refuse to speak out against abortion because you're afraid that people will be offended. I Look, I'm not one of those that goes around calling everyone a coward, but I, I just say this is, this is cowardice. This is cowardice at this point. This is a big enough issue where we've got to be involved in some way, every Christian, right? This is... You know, I, I always, you know, I, I say this because I was a history student. I studied history at Berkeley. Um, I, but I remember being, a, you know, studying history in high school and being so angry and upset that you had all of these Christians who supported slavery or were apathetic about it, right? They didn't, they, they weren't willing to do anything about it or raise their voice or condemn it. And um, I went through my own experience where the Lord convicted me that that was me that I was living through a period of even a greater atrocity than slavery, and yet I was not raising my voice. I was being silent about it, right? And I, I just lovingly say, this is where we're at as a church, where we're so comfortable condemning the slavery of the 19th century, the sins of our forefathers, but we refuse to condemn the sins of our contemporaries because we're afraid of offending them. And 
And this is evil. This is this is cowardice in the sight of God, in my opinion. Okay, and I understand not everybody has conviction on this issue, but I this is what I say to believers: Look, if you don't have conviction on this issue, I just challenge you: You've got to get conviction on this. Mm-hmm. You've got to get conviction on this issue. This is not an issue where you can just say, you know, I'm just going to sit on the sidelines on this one. You know, like mm-hmm. it's so controversial, I don't want to get involved. I'm like. That, that to me, is a type, a serious type of cowardice. And unfortunately, there is such a huge portion of the church now. I just want to say this as a church leader. You know, I understand that if you're a pastor or and you say, hey, I'm going to speak out on abortion, I can guarantee you what's going to happen if you haven't been speaking on abortion. You're going to start offending a lot of people in your church. Because if you haven't been speaking out on it, almost certainly there's going to be strong pro-choice people or people who want you not to become politicized, quote unquote, mm-hmm. at your church. And I just got to say, look, it's time to let those people be offended. It's time to let those people go. It's time to stop kowtowing and to bowing down to those who are have hardened hearts on this issue. Okay, this is the time to do that. And early I look at people like you and you you're out there taking verbal abuse for this type of stuff and i just want to say number one thank you for doing that okay because you're taking it on behalf of the body the whole body should be taking verbal abuse on this stuff and and to be honest we should be liking it <laughs> you know i don't really, i don't want to say we're masochistic <laughs> but look this is what Paul talks about. He says, I long to share in the fellowship of Christ's suffering so that by mm-hmm. any means I may attain to the resurrection, right? I want to share in his glory. Therefore, I long to share in his suffering. And this mm-hmm. is practically, this is the way that we share in the sufferings of Christ. There are many mm-hmm. other ways. I'm not saying, you know, we can't. There's a lot of ways we can share in his suffering. But this is an obvious and a clear way that we can share in the sufferings of Christ to stand for the innocent to defend the defenseless, which is our biblical command. And we have Mm -hmm. so many, especially young people today, that talk so much about social justice. And I just lovingly say, if you're not speaking out for abortion, you're you're doing terrible at social justice, okay? There, look, there's only one group of truly oppressed people in America. I'm, I'm sorry. Black people are not oppressed in America in a great way, okay? Asians are not oppressed in America in a great way. No people group comes close to the oppression that the unborn face. It's not even close. And so if we are not trying to defend them, we have zero claims to trying to do quote-unquote social justice. Okay, they are the only group, in my opinion, that there should be no argument we should all be fighting for. And yet, because we are not, that is why this thing is is out of control, not just in our nation, but all around the world. Ernie, I don't know, you know, how much you guys talk about this up north, but I'm I'm deeply concerned and worried that we are facing a, a, a great judgment from the Lord for this mm-hmm. issue. I mean, you mentioned it, that in the Old Testament, look, there were two sins that Israel committed that really ticked off God, okay? There's a lot of sins they committed, 
but there are two that really, really upset him, right? The number one was idolatry because they were married to him. So he took it as a personal offense when they were committing spiritual adultery by worshiping other gods. And the second one was what you talked about, the sin of Molech, where they're sacrificing their children, all right, in the fire as worship to Molech. Now, my understanding of this is because they were engaged in page in pagan sex cult rituals a lot of times where you would actually, you know, the way that you worshiped some pagan gods was by having sex, right, with mm -hmm. cult prostitutes, with people. All, they, it was a form of worship. And my understanding is that a lot of these babies were the babies that were being offered up in sacrifice and things like that. And so mm -hmm. it's it's a very similar type of thing today where we have these unwanted babies that are the fruit of, you know, sexual immorality, meaning people mm -hmm. who wanted sex but did not want babies, and they're being sacrificed, they're being given up because of the selfishness of our culture. And look, I just say if the church won't speak out about this or won't, you know, take up spiritual arms in this battle, then we have we have no claim to be a voice for justice in our nation. Like this mm -hmm. is the primary justice issue in our nation right now. And so I just say that lovingly to the Christians who listen to this podcast. We've got to do something about this. And look, I just say, you know, if all you're doing is praying, thank God for that, right? If all you're doing is praying, thank God for that, because that's primarily what I do personally, right? But I also try and speak out, and I just want to encourage people, let's ask the Lord what we can do in this battle. Mm -hmm. Let's ask the Lord what we can do, and um, almost certainly you're going to you're going to take some persecution. You're mm -hmm. going to face some slander, some people cussing you out, and all of that. And, um, you know, I've been encouraging my students early, like, hey, this is the, the very beginning of persecution, right? To have mm -hmm. somebody yell at you or cuss you out or, you know, say mean things about you online or whatever, right? This, you know, this barely counts as persecution, okay? Mm -hmm. But it does count. I, you know, I don't want to discard it because for some people, like, it takes a lot of courage, right, to speak out mm -hmm. and then they get attacked for it. So, look, that's real persecution. Um, but this is, this is, this is small, small stuff compared to the type of persecution that our spiritual forefathers of faith throughout history, right? They've been crucified, they've been fed to lions, they have been hunted down, all this kind of stuff. Throughout history, they're thrown into concentration camps. In China, they are imprisoning and torturing Christians. This has been happening. ISIS martyred tens of thousands of Christians just in the past decade. We've had this going on right in the Middle East. These types of things are going on in our generation. The least we can do is face this type of verbal persecution, right, for things like abortion. This is, this is worth it for us to speak out and to try and do something. And so, Ernie, I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage the students that are out there, you know, who are working with, um, I forget the name of the organization already. Remind me real quick. Um, which organization? The you know, 40 the for Life? 40 Days for Life. Um, you know, no, Students for Life. Students for Life. Students for Life. Yes. Okay. On um, on the college campuses. I know um, a girl who wrote an, an op-ed piece in her high school newspaper, you know, that was pro-abortion. She got some persecution for it. And I, I told mm -hmm. her, I, so, I was so proud of her, right? Mm -hmm. That's rare that you find high school 
you know, aged students that are willing to take the flack that will come for mm -hmm. you speaking mm -hmm. out on this type of thing. But I just say, like, these are the types of things that actually are worth something. You know, these, mm -hmm. you know, these, this is worth something, you know, and part of my heart in talking to you early is that, you know, so much of the church, our understanding of what it means to, you know, seek the kingdom first is to, you know, volunteer at church, mm. something like that, you know, and I don't want to demean volunteering at church because, you know, I'm a pastor and we need volunteers, <laughs> you know, so, you know, that's, that's important, right? But... Mm -hmm. We don't know how to seek the kingdom outside of the church. And I, I just have to say, that this is one of, I think, the most obvious and most important ways that we can be serving the kingdom, you know, outside the church. And it's simply because most Christians don't have a picture of what that looks like. They've never actually gone out and done it. Mm -hmm. So I, I wanted to ask you, like, have you ever thought about doing some type of tour where you are, you know, going out with people and like inviting them to come and training believers to do this type of thing. I don't know, but I just feel like that's such a need where we need some leaders who can just be like, hey, if you have a heart for this, come on, we'll show you how to do it. We'll walk you through it. Because I got to think, you know, it's just like evangelizing. It's really scary the first mm -hmm. couple times you do it because um, you know you're going to get rejected a lot. But once you get used to it, it's it's not too bad. Mm -hmm. Something like that, right? Mm, yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. I have not thought about that, but um, we we did um, I, I did train or try to train um, some of the students at Berkeley who were interested in coming out to the sidewalk, and so we hosted like a sidewalk counseling seminar. Um, and so yeah, I think that honestly, I think anyone really anyone could do it, and we have someone on our our team who. In the beginning, um, you know, they were terrified to do it. They were like really scared. Not they're not really evangelistic, and so they're just kind of like, "Oh, I'm really scared." But but hey, after a while, you know, the Lord gives you grace, and and now they're really good at it. And so yeah. I would say it's not only for those who are um, evangelistic, you know, just because you know I'm I'm not really outgoing, you know, like talking to people. That's fine. You know, you we have people just standing out there and just literally just handing out flyers. You know, as simple as and if you have resources, you know, as long as you have a list of resources, you have all the information that they need, like, you know, like what um, optionline.org or abortion reversal, uh, pillreversal.com, like some information on this little card or this little piece of paper and just hand it out, the Lord can use it, you know, and, and uh, just to encourage people too, like um, so there are times out there when, when we would talk to a woman who just had an abortion and and she i remember this one case she was like where were you guys two days ago when i had an abortion like i i i, I would have like i would have i needed this you know i i wish yeah. that i i you guys were there and then we were like oh like that broke my heart you know and yeah. we we go out um on a reg uh, on a weekly basis but it's not enough you know it's not enough we need more people we need more laborers yes there are people rejecting us, but yes, there are also a lot of women who need our help. Like I said, you know, 60% of women have not even been told that there, there are other options, right? And so yeah. um, just to encourage people to hear, uh, you know, if you're listening and you're thinking about doing sidewalk counseling, just just go out there and try it out. Like it doesn't hurt, you know, to just stand out there. And, and I, I believe that the Lord can use you, you know? Yeah. 
as simple as just striking up a conversation. Hey, can I help you? You know, like, can I, can I help, you know, walk you through what you're going through? You know, like yeah. something as simple as that, you know, can I pray for you? And even just, just pray out, just go out and pray outside an abortion clinic and then see, you know, where the Lord leads you, you know, something as simple as just taking a step of faith to, yeah. I'm just going to be present. I think that's what I really encourage a lot of my friends and then the people that are interested in joining us. Just, just, if you want to start small, just be present, you know, just yeah. come out, you know, carve out time to be available to the Lord and he can use you however he wants. He's not, he doesn't need an eloquent person. You know, I don't know much about counseling and then just to, I don't know, um, just to encourage uh, people who are listening. I didn't even, I had no idea what sidewalk counseling was. I literally got thrown into it. I remember when I got connected to um, this other sidewalk counselor, I, she was about to head off to her um, sabbatical and I met her literally a week or two before she went on her sabbatical and she just dumped our uh, flyers on me and she's like here you can do it you know and, it's, yeah. and I was just like okay and then so I just like invited some of my friends oh does anyone want to join and I don't know what I'm doing and so we just stand we would just stand out there and I we honestly we we just try to figure out different ways that would work and then you know sometimes you know you you just have to try it out you know there's no one one method that works right it's just the lord uses how like he just uses you however he wants and so i just want to encourage people out there to just just go out there you don't have to wait for someone to train you the lord can train you the mm -hmm. lord is your shepherd and so for me um you know i i didn't get trained or i didn't have anyone to kind of walk me through you know here's what you do here's what you say you just go out there and you trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. You trust in the Lord. You cling to God and you you say, God, what? Can, please use me. You know, it's just like evangelism, right? Like every Christian is called to go out and preach the gospel. And yes, you may not be the most eloquent person, and that's okay. God used Moses, and he. Um, and so for me, I think that's that's my. I don't, I wouldn't want people to wait around for someone to just train to just you know. Oh, I need to be like fully hundred percent equipped and feel fully confident in myself. Right? I, I think people should rely on the Lord and then we shouldn't be self-confident or self-sufficient. And for me, to be honest, when I go out every week, I still feel really weak. There are days it's like, okay. I really don't want to go out. Like, you know, it's, it's hard. And, but, but I'm going to do it because the Lord is faithful and he will keep me. And so I go out in faith, you know, like, God, yeah. I'm so weak today. Lord, please be with me. Please be with me. And he does it and he breaks in and he uses his people, you know, weak, donkeys weak people that vessels broken vessels and we are sinful and but the lord knows and so i just would like to encourage everyone to just go out there be present and see what god does right yeah and we're literally talking about you guys are literally saving lives out there right that's literally what's happening and to be clear you know you guys don't get all the credit obviously right the mothers who make the decision to mm -hmm. keep the child get the majority of the credit mm -hmm. but the ones who are encouraging them, right? There is a very real way in which if that encouragement was not there, that this baby would have been killed, right? Like mm -hmm. how many babies, like you, you don't even know how many babies, right, you guys have saved because you don't mm -hmm. know how many people were planning to turn into the abortion clinic and saw you guys out there and they decided not to, right? Yeah. You don't know that. I know, mm -hmm. I know of a couple babies, um, their mothers have told me that my, you know, my vocalness on this issue convinced them mm. not to have abortions. And, mm. you know, obviously, again, they get all the credit for this. But on my part, like, I feel this, 
you know, this gratitude and this thankfulness for these these babies that I know, right? And I'm like, thank God that these children have a shot at life, right? They're mm-hmm. alive today because people like me, like you, are taking the chance and taking the flag to speak out and mm-hmm. advocate for life in a very real way. You know, we're helping to save lives, which is a which mm-hmm. is an amazing and awesome thing. And I just mm-hmm. have this conviction, Ernly, that there's there's something about the 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 fatherless, about the rejected one that mm. God finds extremely valuable. Like there's this there's this whole theme throughout scripture that God is the father to the fatherless, that he mm-hmm. draws near to the brokenhearted. And what you're going to see throughout the scriptures is that many of the great heroes of faith have a story where early on they were rejected, right? Mm-hmm. You see that with David, you see that with Jacob, you see that with Moses, you see that with so many of these heroes of faith where they were rejected, but God drew near to them and mm-hmm. he used their life in a great way. And I just have this conviction that those who are willing to care for the rejected ones of this generation, that God is going to use us to raise up some incredible men and women of God who are going to be heroes of the faith in this next generation. I just feel like this this burden on this because this issue is so close to the heart of God that he wants to draw near to this fatherless generation. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is all of the ones who are growing up with stories of deep rejection. And obviously abortion is the ultimate version of that, right? Where you, your parents mm-hmm. don't want you so much that they're willing to kill these babies. But many mm-hmm. people have faced many types of rejection when their parents are divorced and they've been abandoned mm-hmm. by a parent. Like this is the story for so many people in this generation. And I just want to prophetically say that God wants to draw near to these, right? That mm-hmm. there is a spirit of adoption. There is a spirit of adoption that is available for those who have been rejected by their earthly parents, that that doesn't have to be your story. It doesn't have to shape your life forever, but there's a heavenly father that wants to adopt you into his family and has Mm. great plans and a calling for your life. And it's not just for this life, but it's for your eternal life. And that's going to be the story of so many babies today. That's why I'm convinced that God is getting ready to pour out his spirit, that we are going to have another great awakening because God is going to reveal himself to this rejected generation. And so I just want to say, look, there's hope in the midst of all of this, you know, abortion, in the midst of all of this divorce and the sexual immorality, in the midst of all of it, there is hope that God is going to draw near and reveal himself and that those who were once far off that were not his people will call will be called his people and that God's mm-hmm. going to draw near to this generation. I have this great hope early and I just mm-hmm. feel in a way like we're called to be spiritual mothers and fathers, right? Mm-hmm. That God is calling for believers in this age, right? To lay down their personal ambitions because this is where it all comes from, right? People don't want their kids to mess up their lives, right? They've got mm-hmm. great plans for their lives of how they're going to you know, get a great job and a nice house and all this kind of stuff. And because of that, they're willing to sacrifice their kids on the altar of their own career goals. And I just feel like God mm. is calling forth a church that has his heart that's willing to lay down their personal ambitions and lay down their dreams of a, of a, 
a successful life on the earth for the sake of children who need real mothers and fathers. And I just feel like that's the distinction today, right? Where are the believers that will take on the mantle of being that voice for the voiceless, that father for the fatherless? And I just want to say this, look, lovingly, none of us feel qualified for this, mm-hmm. okay? I didn't have the perfect set of parents, right, who could disciple me perfectly and show me how to do everything in life. None of us have the perfect parents, okay? All of us need God to be our, our Heavenly Father and to teach us His ways. And so I just want to say that because there are so many people today, and they're like, I want a spiritual father. I want a spiritual mother. And I'm like, I know, I know. And that's, man, I wish that there were so many spiritual fathers and mothers available for everyone. But the truth is, I had to start being a spiritual father before I felt like I had adequate spiritual fathers in my own life. And I'll tell you, once I started doing that, the Lord started to show me all the people that he sent in my life to mentor me in different seasons. And I realized that God had sent so many mentors in my life to help me through different seasons Mm -hmm. of my life. And I had been, been really blessed in ways that I didn't realize because I was so focused on all, all the ways that I lacked it. Does that make sense? Mm. And it's the same way today where people feel like, oh, you know, like I don't, have, I don't have the same blessings that other people have. I don't have the same parents. I don't have the same, you know, whatever. And so because of that, I don't need to care for these young mm. ones, right? And to just be honest, that's the, that's the case for lots of people who choose to get abortion. They're like, Oh, I don't have the same resources as those other people, and I couldn't care for them in the right way. Mm-hmm. And look, I just want to say, no matter where you're at, you have a calling on your life to help care for those who need care. Mm. And even if you feel like totally inadequate, I just want to say this, look, we all do. Okay, we all feel inadequate. None of us know how to do this perfectly. Okay, I just as a pastor, I don't know how to pastor people perfectly, <laughs> right? Like you don't know how to counsel people perfectly on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. Right? None of us know how to do this perfectly. All mm-hmm. we can do is our best and hope that God will help us. Right? And 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 guess what? That's what real ministry is. It's where mm-hmm. we do the small bit of work and God does the real heavy lifting in terms mm-hmm. of moving people's hearts and changing people's hearts. And I a lot of times I just feel like that boy who brought, you know, my my fish and my loaves Right. I'm like, mm-hmm. here, can you use this? Right. And it's God who's got to multiply it and make it amazing. Right. We just bring our small offering. So I just right. say that to the people that have a heart for this issue, but you're like, I don't know if I don't feel like I can do anything. Yes, you can. Okay. Yes, you can. God can use you wherever you're at. And obviously we're just talking about one area um, of, of where we can, where we can start to care for the fatherless in this generation. But there's the need is so great. Whether it be mm-hmm. mentoring people at your church, right? Whether it be, you know, caring uh, caring for orphans, right? Caring for the homeless. Like, there's so many different ways that we can care for the rejected in our society because there's huge open doors. That's always where the open doors are, right? That's why the scripture says the gospel is good news to the poor, mm-hmm. right? Because when, when, a, when a person understands their poverty, their hearts are open to receiving fathering they're open to receiving you know mentorship of some format and that's where the body of christ is called to step in and 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 be right the hands and the feet mm-hmm. of jesus so right. sorry early i know i'm going really long i'm like no, halfway this ranting. is really great <laughs> that we all need to hear this is, this is good 
Yeah, but I just want to say thank you so much. And I, I just want to tell you honestly, as a pastor, like for me, I feel equipped in some ways to like train people to, you know, know the truth and to, to preach and teach people. But I'm so thankful for leaders like you who are willing to actually go out and start counseling, be like, hey, you know, let's do this together. You know, I, I, there's such a need, you know, for leaders like you and what you're doing. So I just want to say thank you for what you're doing in the body of Christ. And um, thank you for all of those who are out there just listening to this podcast. I know that so many people are involved in this in this fight in, in ways that people don't see. But I just want to say these are the things that God sees. All right. Mm -hmm. These are the things that God sees. And, you know, some of you guys are out there praying regularly for this issue. Some of you out there are, are voting or advocating for voting on these issues. And I just want to say mm -hmm. thank you guys for all that you're doing. I really do think that, um, you know, when we get to heaven and the judgment happens, we'll be amazed by the things that God esteems. Right. Because mm -hmm. we always, you know, we always esteem like the really famous people that are doing stuff, you know, and like they're so gifted and they're so amazing. But I just have this, this, this feeling that God is impressed by simple acts of obedience and faith, right? By people who don't feel qualified and are just like trying to do it out of faithfulness to the Lord, mm -hmm. right? I think those are the things that impress God's heart. Mm -hmm. and, um, and and those are the things that are happening all the time that, that we don't see, that, that God's mm -hmm. the one, he's the one who's, the, who's watching all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Early, I just want to give you the last shot. Is there anything that you would like to say or encourage or any practical advice? Yeah. Um, I would say if, um, you know, again, just if you are if you're a man and you're thinking about, you know, oh, man, I really want to be able to help out, you know, in some ways on the sidewalk. But but I'm a man, you know, can I really speak into this? Um, I would say yes. You know, there's so much room for you to be um used by God as well. This is not primarily just only for women to be out there on the sidewalk. I think men are very needed. And I would say, get a group of people. I mean, find like-minded people who have the same heart, start praying together. And and then, you know, I think that that's the way. For me, I'm really grateful for my team. If it wasn't for my team, the people who are committed and consistent, I don't think I would have lasted this long. You know, I think it's honestly by the grace of God. But um. I am very incredibly grateful for my team. Um, we have a prayer team as well. So we have um, a, a couple of friends who are committed to praying for us. So they, they are not convicted to go out on the sidewalk, but they're convicted to pray for us mm -hmm. when we're out there for you know, however long or a couple hours. They just they, they're committed. So they just either come on site and pray for us throughout the whole time or they pray, uh, they, they dial in and then they pray for us. Um, I think it's that is amazing. You know, I, yeah. I'm so grateful to have um, brothers and sisters that I can run with. And I think that's, that's, that's the heart of it. That's, um, that's what drives me too. Cause you know, every week when we go out together as a team, it feels like, God, we're doing this together. You know, we're your people and yeah. And you get to encourage one another, you know, when you don't have to take the, the persecution alone, you know, we are one unit. And so I would encourage um, men to go out because um, you you can protect the women who are out there. You know they 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 take they they're risking their lives in some way, so it is is dangerous out there. And so yes, we do need some men to be out there. And on top of that, you know we I would encourage men to go out there and start talking to other men. You know who are bringing their partners in again. If it's sixty percent of women are co coerced into abortion in some ways, or they feel pressured, right? So 
a lot of times we see um, a man sitting by himself in the car, just waiting for the women to, to come out. We, we just tell our men like, oh, let's go and talk to the person, you know, the man right there in the car. And so, yeah, like one of our men would go over and try to strike up conversations. And, and a lot of times, you know, they, they're open. The, the guy is like, oh, you know, I just, you know, it's her choice. You know, I don't think she would listen to me. And we would encourage him like, no, go, go inside the clinic and get her out, you know, like talk to her about it. You know, maybe she just needs to hear that you're actually supportive, you know? And so a lot of times men just need to hear that, that, hey, it's not just like a woman's choice, you know? And a lot of times, um, yeah, a lot of men, they're, they're, they're willing to keep the baby, but um, they're just, you know, they're just taught or indoctrinated by the media, right? That this is a woman's choice, you know, this is her territory, I have no say in it, you know, you're a man, you have no say in that, like, that's false, right. you know, this is, you, you both have a choice and have a part in it, you know, you play a part in a huge part in it. And so um, I would say, um, yes, please, like, if you're a man, please go out there and, and try to talk to other men on the side uh, who are going in or taking their partners in, because that's a lot of times that's, that's, that's how a woman will change her mind. You know, she doesn't have the the willpower to change her mind on her own she needs someone else to help her out and so yeah i would encourage you and um, one of my friends said like you know even if you're a man and i think for both men and women we're for our team we're very committed to also being very open and transparent with one another and, and you know having accountability having prayer co uh, covering and fighting against sexual morality even in our own lives you know making sure we're living a life of repentance con constantly, right? Because we're we're engaging in this spiritual warfare that is, you know, on the issue of abortion, which is the fruit of sexual morality. And so for us, we're like, we have to be above that. We have to be, um, we have to make sure that we're staying repentant before the Lord. We're, we're searching our hearts constantly. We're vigilant, right? Because it is a spiritual warfare. And um, so I've, some of our friends um, have said that like when you're out there it helps you actually fight against sexual morality because you see the fruit of it and you see how evil it is and you see the reality of it and you're like i don't want anything to do with that and i think um i would encourage people to even like yeah i think this is a good way to also be to keep yourself sober um and and I'm, I'm not saying you have to be perfect, you know, like, oh, like you can't struggle with it at all. Or no, I'm, I'm just asking you to be repentant and to have accountability right. to make sure that you're you're staying above reproach. Right. Because if you're going to engage in something this intense, you need to make sure that you're you're ready. You're counting the cost going into it. And so our team, we're very committed to doing that. And we're very we make sure all the men have accountability, all the women have accountability that we talk about. We're very honest, very open, very committed to. Um, also unity, you know, committed to unity on the sidewalk because we don't want to um, be divided in our own team, in our own camp, right? We want to make sure we stay united. And so there's a lot of repentance. It's, it's, it's a lot of sanctification, to be honest, you know, when you're out there. And so I would say if you sign up to do sidewalk counseling, you're not only helping the pro-life cause, you're really just also getting sanctified in the process and you're learning to walk with the Lord and, and grow in, in, yeah, in sanctification. Yeah, that's great. Well, Arnley, thanks so much for coming on. I really do appreciate everything you're doing, and thanks for taking the time to come and you know share your heart and your experience with everybody. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me.